Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Well, hey everybody, this is Pastor Jason. I'm Megan. I'm Amanda. And I'm John. Now, Amanda, it's your first time with us. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Amanda. Oh, goodness. Um, well, like I said, I'm Amanda, and I help out with um, Z Youth. So I'm in the youth department. Um, keep Derek in check. That's good. Someone's got to do that. <laughs> and you also do stuff with missions, right? Yep. I kind of dabble in a little bit of everything. Um, I help out with, you know, I, basically I'm the go-to yes person. Um, you ask me to do it, and I'll... Do it if I can. And how long have you been on staff now? Oh, my goodness. So, let's see. Six-ish years? Okay. So, Megan, how long have you been on? Seven. Seven years? I've been on four. I think three-ish. Three-ish? Has it seriously been three years? September 18, I think, was when I started. Holy cow. Wow. Okay. I can't believe I just got, I just had my fourth year anniversary. June 1st was my first. Okay, so funny story for those who are listening. <laughs> Amanda already knows this one I'm going to do. So I had just driven from Phoenix to Iowa over two days, three days, two days, whatever. I posted it all online. You can watch it if you go back on my free scroll. <laughs> and uh, when I show up and my car is packed with stuff and they show me my office and then I come back out and like, hey, did you see your closet space? And I'm like, what? Well, yeah, you got to see all the closet space in your office. And so I open the door and Amanda jumps out of the closet. I, I literally almost punch her in the face because I, I don't have much of a flight response. I have like just a fight response. And I still remember the words you said. I stopped just short and you go, would have been worth it. Do you remember that? I do. I remember everyone's like, okay, he's here. He's here. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go, like, hide in the closet. And I, like, I was in that closet for a while. And I'm like, Well, because you weren't in there when I first so went there. Long? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So here I pop out of the closet. Like, <laughs> I, I thought it was funny. Now, was that your idea or was that other? Oh, it was all me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Crystal Cook, who's also a member of our church, she actually volunteered on staff. The two of you are probably the biggest jokesters on staff, and, or when, when Crystal was helping and volunteering with stuff. Uh, but yeah, so that's just a little short, fun introduction to Amanda. Amanda and I go way back. Uh, she gave me my first scare, and I almost punched her in the throat. So, <laughs> well, hey, we're in we're in week three of the God Is series, in which what we've been talking about is we're using the Lord's Prayer and exploring who God is, His character, but also who we are as his people. And this week we actually looked at um, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we looked at that word hollow. And interestingly, if you were here on Sunday or if you watched it online, that word hollow actually comes from a Hebrew and a Greek word. There's two different words that kind of encapsulate this. In Hebrew, the word is kadesh, and it means to make or render something set apart holy. The word in Greek is hagiazo, which means to cleanse or purify, to make sacred. An example of this is when God says that he made the Sabbath holy. He made the Sabbath holy. Hagiazo, that's an exodus. Uh, or when he says, I am who I am, the idea is that his name is holy. And he clears, clear, those are words. I have words today. Mm-hmm. They actually come out of my mouth. He clearly cares about his name. Um, 
So in our read-through this past week, we were talking about kind of the importance of names. Uh, I had, did anybody have nicknames growing up? Like, I, I had two, and I'm, I'm going to tell you mine. I'm a little embarrassed by it. So when I was a kid, I looked like Alfred E. Newman from the cover of Mad Magazine. I, did. Uh, yeah, she's seen, <laughs> Megan has seen pictures. I had these. I had a huge gap, which got fixed once I moved here. Curly red hair, big ears, skinny body, big face, and so my nickname was Madman, and Alfred e. Newman, and it traumatized me. But the other name that I got, which I actually was much bigger fan of, is in high school. I had friends who started calling me Rojo, <laughs> which is red in Spanish. Nice. Yeah. So y'all can okay. call me Rojo. That's fine. That's a good one. Now I get PJ, Pastor Jason. But yep. what nicknames did you guys have? Embarrassing, but my parents would call me Pud Pie. Pud Pud Pie. Short for pudding pie. It's right. a term of endearment. Uh-huh. It's a term of something. <laughs> yeah. My brothers would call me the legs of death. <laughs> that one was fitting. It was my only fight mechanism. Okay, now oh. I, I, I need to, so did you kick? Oh, yes. Brutally. Oh. Yeah, I, I was going to say, there's a roundhouse <laughs> kick somewhere. A roundhouse, yeah. A roundhouse in the spirit? Like, yeah. yeah. That's funny. How about, did you have one, Amanda, growing oh, up? Oh, my goodness. I didn't have anything too crazy other than, like, a man, duh. Like, kids always said that. Wow. Um, oh, my, I took this yeah. so like, immature. what? Oh, Amanda. Yeah. Uh, okay, no. <laughs> my grandma and my day. Aunt Lori always called me Mandy. Like they're the so only people that ones. ever called me that. But does, does your husband have a nickname for you or anything? He like he doesn't. I have tons for him. Ooh, what are some of his? <laughs> so like I, he hates them all too. This is awesome. Um, Jakey or Jacob. So and he gets so mad when I call. Isn't him Isn't his name actually Jacob? Because his he'll say my birth certificate says Jake. Just oh, he's not a Jacob. Jake. So and yeah, I'll go out of my way to call him. <laughs> call him Jacob. And somebody else. It actually happened this last Sunday at church. Somebody called him Jacob, and I was like, oh, are you going to yell at them? <laughs> like, well, they didn't know. Oh, right. So when I see him, I say, hey, Jacob, what's going on? <laughs> yep, Jake. Um, Jakey, Jakey Poo. He really loves that one. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I rarely call him his actual name. So, and now, John, huh. I know one of the staff nicknames for you is the Narwhal. That's correct. And it's because you've got this tuft of hair that you kind of... That's how I style my... It's how you style... Luscious locks. If yeah. you don't know what a Narwhal is, it's the unicorn of the sea. Uh-huh. Tuna is the chicken of the sea. Well, the Narwhal is the unicorn of the when sea. When my hair gets too long, and I can feel it, I always style it by putting it up. If you can't if see it, it he's actually long, doing the motion right now. It as looks like a point. It looks... And I, I had one girl in college come up to me i'm working on a project or whatever she just comes up to me and is like i really like how your hair looks i'm like uh thanks how do you get it to do that i don't know <laughs> cool and then walked off i was like all right did you right. have any other names when you were growing up i did well in high school i i did theater and i had one upperclassman he was a senior at the time i was a sophomore and he he dubbed me lunchbox Oh, I was lunchbox. Is that how you got your email? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And according to him, and I quote, I looked like a kid who would carry a lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which he was right. I did in elementary school. <laughs> Most lunches I was carrying a lunchbox in from home. Okay, so now as a child of the 80s, I rocked lunchboxes. Like I had yeah. an Empire Strikes Back lunchbox. I had a Transformers lunchbox. I mean, lunch, but that's a... That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That was my lunchbox was mostly just him. He was the only one that was that would use it. Well, so, I mean, we think about it. God's name in in Exodus, God appears to Moses and he actually tells Moses his name. Before that, 
Um, God had never actually revealed his name to his people. And what's interesting is that when he does this, uh, he tells Moses, first he says, Moses is like, hey, who should I say sent me? Because God tells Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go so they can go worship. And then he's supposed to go to the Israelites and say, hey, this God who you've never met, who you've only heard about from your ancestors, wants me to come and take us out of slavery. And Moses' response is, who should I say sent me? And interestingly, God says, well, I am who I am. And then a little bit later in the verse, God actually says, he goes, the Lord, and that word Lord in all capitals, and if you've ever read your Bible in the, in the Old Testament, anytime you see the word Lord in all capitals, that's actually an abbreviation or a shorthand for God's proper name, Yahweh. Uh, interestingly, the idea of Yahweh comes from three words, yod Hey, vad Hey, And they believed that they were, it was so fearful about taking the Lord's name in vain that they would never actually even say the proper name of God. So they would just say Lord. Or if you've also read in other parts of the, of the Old Testament, you'll see other names of God like El Shaddai, El Roy, um, Elohim. All of those are names, <coughs> but the proper name of God is Yahweh. And so it's interesting as we're talking through that because so often we don't think about that because as Christians, we don't use the word Yahweh very regularly. We talk about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. but the proper name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit actually is Yahweh. That's if he had a name, that's it, right? And it's one he declares himself. Um, when you think about the names of God, like obviously we say Jesus. I talk to Jesus pretty regularly, Holy Spirit, Father. Part of the power of a name is the reputation that it comes with it. Uh, I was thinking about, and we were talking about this in the read-through, there are some really famous people that you know them immediately by one name, mm -hmm. Oprah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Everybody knows who Oprah, Disney. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, just the other day I was talking with uh, Kate. Kate is my wife, Kate Hopple. Hey, that's rather new. Uh-huh, that's <laughs> rather new. <laughs> and I was just saying, like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, Disney is, I was just thinking about, like, because we watched through, you know, a documentary series. We love watching through documentaries. And it was about kind of the making of Disney and the Imagineers um, and how they got their start. And I'm just like, yeah, Disney World came from a guy. It's a guy's last name, Walt Disney. But uh, you don't think, most people don't think of it nowadays. It's just, it's just Disney World. It's just, there's so many images that come into your mind when you think of that word, yeah. Well, and that's exactly it is names, uh, their association with names. What are some other one namers? I mean, we got Madonna. Who else? Um, Any other ones you can think of? B. Spears. Oh, B yeah. Britney Spears. T. Swift. Oops, I did it again. T. Swift. Who else? <laughs> Harry Potter. I mean, he's not even a real person, and everybody knows who Harry Potter unless is. Unless you're born under a rock. <laughs> well, yeah. You, you know. <laughs> Does that make... Never mind. I was going to say a really bad pun, and I decided to stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's There's something about names that are associated. Now, like my name... Even here in town, there's another Jason Miller. He works at the airport. Oh, <laughs> that's fun. In Mason City. But like my name doesn't have anything special attached to it. And when you think about your name, like I know other Amandas. I know other Megans. I know I mean, we have two Johns on staff. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's always confusing because we're like, hey, John, and they both turn around. So we have to give them nicknames and, you know, the Wiggles. That's John Quigley, who actually is our producer who sits here and listens to us and doesn't really say anything. He just <laughs> watches us uh, ominously. <laughs> while we're talking he's, great. he's he's pretty amazing yeah. um but the name the name is meant to associate character and in fact even in the old testament what you had were names names were significant even more so now like you gave up someone their name based upon something that was happening in your life or 
something that you were describing that was happening. In fact, the word Ichabod means the glory of the Lord has left this place, and it was given to a child who was born in the time when Israel was in disobedience. Mm-hmm. Literally, God's like, name that child Ichabod, because I've left the room. <laughs> yeah, so, so many of the names in the Bible, like, we read them now, and it's like, oh, uh, Jacob. Uh, oh, we got a name change now for some reason, whatever. Israel, I, I don't know. Okay, whatever. We, we see the names, and we just read them as names, but it's like, that was kind of who you were as a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, know? and even Jacob, Jacob actually meant liar. Mm-hmm. And after he wrestled with God, God changes his name to Israel, one who wrestles with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like the Israelites are a people who have wrestled with God. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about God's character, because again, at the, the goal is, is that his name is supposed to be a reflection of who he is. What are some things that you think about God when you think of who God is? So Yahweh, just like if you think of Jason, you think of short. <laughs> or a guy with a ski mask or a ho- oh, hockey mask, whatever that, right? Um, oh, yeah. But the goal is is that you're, he wants his name to be made famous, and we're the ones who make it famous. But what do you think of when you think of God as, a, as, as God? A healer. Healer? Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah? I always say awesome. Like... I know that this is the thing that always caught my attention. Everyone, uh, whenever someone says, "Oh yeah, that was so awesome," you go, "Was it? It was. Aw- it was filled with awe. Really? It made you because it's like I, I always think of God as being an awesome God. Yeah. He's just you. You see him. You glimpse him. You think about it, and it's just wow. It's supposed to leave you in awe. Yeah. Well, but also the word awesome originally came from the word awful. Mm-hmm. To be full, filled with awe, which right. meant to bring, bring terror. Yeah. So if something was really awesome, you were supposed to be in fear of it. Now awesome. Well, I grew up in Southern California. That's so cool. That's not far <laughs> from the truth. <laughs> so when I first started in youth ministry, my pastor told me, because I talked like a surfer. And I, I, well, I grew totally up in... rad. Yeah. So I would say things like tubular and, and you know, yes. that's awesome. That's gnarly. Like I would talk like that. And I also would say, I'd say, bruh, what's up, bruh, all the time. <laughs> So I'm 20, but that's where I grew up. I grew up, yeah. most of my friends talk like that. And I remember my pastor saying, Jason, until you stop talking like that, no one's going to take you seriously. <laughs> so you think of God as awesome, one yeah. who inspires awe. Yeah. Okay. How about, how about you, Amanda? Anything that comes to mind for you? I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is forgiving. Like, yeah. I think that's, I don't know, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, it's one of the biggest biggest things he offers us too, like forgiveness no matter what we do no matter how bad of a thing we do or the terror like no matter what it is we will be forgiven and in christ yeah yeah, and i think that's just i don't know that's what comes to my mind anytime i explain things or um talk to people about god like it everything's gonna be okay yeah Mm -hmm. well what were you saying? Who he is to you is how you think of him. If you are in need of a shepherd, he becomes the shepherd. Yeah. If you're in need of king or lord, he becomes that healer. He becomes that redeemer. That's who he is. That's how you associate yeah. his name. Well, and, and what I what I like about that is that God not only is those things, but that word when it says hallowed be your name, it is actually not holy as your name. Hollow means to make holy to make famous. And so when we say things like God is forgiving or God is healer or God is awesome, whenever something is awesome, truly awesome, it's supposed to point back to God. Mm -hmm. 
that's how we make Jesus famous. When we forgive as people, like when Amanda, when you forgive somebody that's done you wrong, you are actually making Jesus famous. You are showing his his name in your life because we carry his namesake. Uh, I didn't talk about this in the message, um, and I thought about it, and then I just realized that I think it become it's probably another teaching altogether. But uh, in Genesis, when it says that we were made in his image, the word image there is selem, T-S-E-L-E-M. And it's also the same word where we get the word idol. Oh. And so the idea is, is that idolatry is a man-made thing that we try to put in place to help us connect with God. We are actually God's idol to the world. The world is supposed to connect to God through us, his image bearers. We are actually God's idol. We become the one who demonstrate who God is through how we live. And that's why idolatry is so screwed up and why idolatry is so problematic is it's literally you forsaking your identity as opposed as someone who's supposed to reflect the God whose image bearer, whose image you bear. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And so when, else, yeah. yeah so yeah. when we talk about the characteristics of God, so like for instance, in first John, when it says God is love. Um, well, when I'm loving, who do I reflect God's awesomeness? And so every characteristic we're supposed to embody it, not because we're those things, but because he is right. Um, when we talk about worship, and that's ultimately what this this message really pointed to, was the importance of worship. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that should speak right to your heart. That's right, right. worship. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> we were created for worship. We were we were created with this desire to worship. Um, so I actually started off in music. That's where I began my ministry. thirty some years ago now. I just gave my age away. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm I'm the fourth oldest person on staff. Oh snap! Can you guess? Doing the math. All right. So who's the other three? Who's the other three older? Come on. Oh, we got Al. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We got Steve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we won't say the other one because that's just the other (laughs) one. And me. Um. But we were created to worship. We're created to actually connect with and bring worth to God. Um, when you started in worship, now you actually, you do other musical things, right, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did a lot of, in high school and in, in a little bit in college, I loved to do theater and I was on the stage and um, I was big into musicals and really singing was a, a big passion of mine. So, you know, singing in choir, um, singing in small groups, um, just solo stuff as well. I love to do that. I loved really being on the stage. And I think everybody else here has had things in singing as well. Yeah. So Megan, you've, you've sung Amanda. Do you, yeah. I, I seem to remember that you sang as well. I did a lot of music stuff in school. Anytime there were solos or like our pops concert every year. Okay, what is pops? I never did that kind of stuff. I, what it's is a pops fabulous. concert? Yeah. <laughs> Super so, fun. I don't know. For, at least for where I went to school, the Pops concert was like a big deal. Like you got to pick songs from like the yeah. now. Yep. Oh, so it's popular. Yeah. That's what yeah. pop. Okay. Basically. Okay. I figured that's what it was, but I didn't want to sound stupid and be like, hey, it's the popular music. And that's not what it is. Like, <laughs> a Pops concert, but it's just like arias from like 1700s. <laughs> so it was really popular dry. in 1796. Yeah. yeah. So have you have you guys heard my, my choir story? This no. is, okay. So my junior year, we had an honor choir at school and I'd never done choir before. I can't read music. I learned to sing by singing a guy named Stephen Curtis Chapman and worship yes. songs. That's how I started. Dancing with the dinosaurs. Dancing. No, this was way before that. 
This this is way before Dancing with Dinosaurs, yeah, and Great Adventures, way before that as well. Oh, man. So um, my junior year, you had to try out for Honor Choir, and this girl who was super cute was like, hey, you should try out for Honor Choir. I think it'd be great to see you there. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I got up, and I went in my junior, end of junior year, and I auditioned singing More to This Life from Stephen Curtis Chapman. Nice. Great song. Well, you don't, we didn't find out until like the last day of school if we made it in. And then you have all summer to think about it. Now, again, I can't read music. I've never done choir before. I can't harmonize. I can't do anything. I get to the first day of class, find out I make it an honor choir. Oh, okay. <laughs> first day of class. The teacher, this is how he introduced me. Hey, guys, this is the guy I was telling you about. He's like a prodigy. Oh, no. <laughs> so... <laughs> I get oh, in. No. I can't sing harmony. I can't read music. I've never done choir. About it took maybe three days before I was his least favorite person in the class. But like literally, that hits how he introduced me. He's like, "This is the guy," and I'm like, "Uh oh." <laughs> what is- did you? Well, yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to think of like, did he? Did he go through your audition? Was like, wow. Wow. And I, I, what happened I don't in your audition? know. It must have been really good. I got, first of all, I'm not that great of a singer. So okay. I think maybe he, the, there were some really talented singers in Honor Choir, but. You probably brought passion. I, well, uh, that yeah. is why I do have passion. You know, that's, yeah. I was like that little kid on the soccer field. I never scored a goal, but I sure ran a lot. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy Ready. brought his own tambourine and everything. More yeah. cowbell. Come on now. Yeah. But. So I, so here's the thing. When we think about hallowed be your name, one of the things that we talk about is worship, right? Mm-hmm. And in the Christian circles, we have our own like genre of music called worship music. You have rock music, contemporary Christian, and then you have worship music. And right now, worship music is probably one of the biggest selling things on iTunes, on other places. I mean, it's even made its way into the mainstream mm-hmm. um, where you're hearing. I've heard Hillsong on the radio when they came out with Touch the Sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That song was on the radio. They played on the Today Show. Um, when you think about music and you think about its role, first of all, and I'd, I'd love to hear, coming from a choir background, yeah. what's the, the what's the difference between singing in choir and leading worship and being a part of worship? What do you what do you see as the difference that takes place there? Well, there's a big thing in choir. Um, when I was in choir, um, both in, in high school, but more so in college, the big thing was having a unified sound. And when we, when we learned our notes, we learned our parts, and we started to put the music down and sing together, it was all about listen across the choir, and even so much to the point where we would just mix up, and we would have um, alto, tenor, bass, soprano, different orders everywhere in the choir, and, and the goal was to listen across and sound like one voice, even though there's... So the goal was unity. Unity, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of that was listening to each other. And, you know, hearing what everyone else is doing. Um, and there's a little bit of a similarity. Well, that's kind of the goal, too, with corporate worship is, you know, you want to, it's not singing so that, hey, everyone, look at me, look at me, look what I'm doing. It's, we're singing to Jesus, we're singing yeah. to God. And even if you don't know the song as well, you can still worship and you can still, um, I don't know, worship through song. In that way. Well, and there is something, one of the things that I got to tell you has been really fun to hear at Zion over the last six months is people are singing more. Mm-hmm. And you hear, like we've had several times when honestly that the people in the congregation were singing louder than the people on the stage. Mm-hmm. And there's, there is something not just emotionally powerful about hearing that, but the Bible actually talks about make a joyful noise. And I think yeah. that's, a, I think sometimes people assume you have to have a good voice to sing and that, worship. 
that's yeah that's the thing is like in 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 choir when i was in college it was we're all going to sound the same as best we can we're all going to sound like one voice and it's going to be you know fine tuning the pitch to get it to right where we want it and this is the the best sound we can make and at the end of the day when you're worshiping jesus isn't looking for perfection you know he's not looking for the a a team singers you know he's looking for you to worship in song, to, to make heart. a joyful noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like. And that's where the unity is a little bit different. And We're united in our heart. That's the exactly The focus right. is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, you know, we, one of the things we talked about on Sunday was that your brain, mm-hmm. I was doing a little bit of research on neuroscience and singing, and they've cool. done all kinds of crazy things that shows like uh, Alzheimer's patients and Parkinson's patients, they'll forget their name. They'll forget basic skills but you play them a song and they can sing every word or they can even play the piano when they've mm. forgotten how to brush their teeth. Yeah. And so they've done, they did tracking on the brain and they found that like every time you do something like the, when you create a rhythm, one part of your brain is activated. And when you memorize a word, another part is. So singing actually activates all these different parts in your yeah. brain. Mm-hmm. And here we have a God who's encouraging his people to sing. And it's not just because it delights him, but I think it's also to remind us like, it locks in memories. Mm-hmm. Do you have, when you think of songs, worship songs, or maybe it could be a Christian song in general, are there songs that bring back memories for you or that have helped you or, or brought you through difficult times? The short answer is yes. That's a, <laughs> I know that's a big question. There's so many. Yeah. I know you were talking about Stephen Curtis Chapman before, but one of the first songs, when I first went to camp as I don't know, sixth grade or something. The uh, the staff at the end of the week all did a, you know, mini choir. They sang a few songs for the whole camp, and one of the ones they did was "Dive" by Stephen Curtis oh, yeah. Chapman. I'd never heard it before, and that was like one of the biggest moments I can always remember. I'm like, this song is a, this song is great, <laughs> and b, I'm coming back and I want to know more about this this Jesus. Have you uh, have you seen the Netflix A Week Away? I haven't watched that yet. No. I have it all on my list. So it's all, it's Stephen Curtis Chapman's song, Newsboys, like all the songs from the 90s, early 2000s. Um, but it's based on a Christian camp. And then they sing Dive and a bunch of the great adventures. Yes. Mm-hmm. How about you? Any songs that come for you? It Is Well has always been oh, like yeah. a personal favorite, but it's now been sung at like loved ones' funerals. And so it carries even more weight yeah. and just memories. And it's just a special song. Mm-hmm. I have... <laughs> And it's not even in a good way. We, <laughs> this is going to be bad. I have a song that's not good. but No, Holy Spirit. That used to be every single week at youth, like the same song mm. over and over. Like, And everybody knew it. And it was one like you didn't even need the words up on the screen. But then you hear it so much that you're like, I never want to hear that song again. And yeah. so now, it, like, we haven't played that in a long time. But now when we hear it, it's like, a throwback, like remember when we used yeah. to like, special memory. always have to listen yep. to this song. Awesome God was that for me. Oh, <laughs> mine was Shine okay, Jesus Shine. I oh Shine Jesus. Uh. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> I can't do Shine Jesus Shine. We I need can't. to do like a throwback Sunday. Well, but I mean, so even on Sunday, we we're actually doing a few of those songs at the end. Um, we did a few of those, and for me, like I, the youth group I went in, pop contemporary Christian worship music was just starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you had like Maranatha, Vineyard, all those things. So you guys, are, you're younger than me, but we sit around and most of the songs that we sang were not really complicated songs. They were campfire songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Created me a clean heart, oh God. 
awesome God. We exalt thee. Um, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Uh, I mean, it was those kind of things. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, lift your name on high. Yeah. And, and I actually can remember there were, there were times in my life when I went through difficult times and I would go in my room with my guitar and I'd just go and sing to the Lord. And some beautiful things came out of that. One, I learned how to do spontaneous worship where I was, my worship was just flowing out of what was going on in my heart. Mm-hmm. And now it's so cool to see because spontaneous worship is kind of taking its own life mm-hmm. in, the, in the worship communities where Maverick City worship, Elevation, oh, yeah. Hillsong, yeah. Um, uh, Mosaic, Worship Mob. I mean, all these wonderful things where some of the most profound worship doesn't come with songs that have been written, but the songs that are being written through our hearts as we're singing. Yeah. Uh, one of the big ones for, for me, and um, did you feel the mountains tremble? Do you guys remember that? So it came out 98, 99. Yeah. I do not. Yeah. Okay, so it's from a band <laughs> called Delirious. And the first time I heard them, it was like listening to you 2 lead worship. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. And it had these big drums. But I remember the first time I heard it, I was at the vineyard in Anaheim and they had a guest worship leader. It might have been, might have been Delirious was there for all I know. And I remember sitting there in worship and just feeling the presence of God move in it. Mm -hmm. And to this day, every time I think of that song, it reminds me. But the more important part is, is that like Holy Spirit, there's a theology you learn in worship from singing that you might you may not even think about it, but all of a sudden, let's say you're in those difficult times and you're like, God, I need help. And all here comes the lyrics to Holy Spirit. And or did you feel the mountains tremble when times when I felt like there's spiritual battle mm-hmm. and the Lord brings back? And that's what the power of song is. I think that's one of the reasons why God tells us people to sing is not just because it delights him and it does, mm-hmm. but also it activates our brain. Like yep. now we're teaching theology to ourselves. Yep. I used to sing um, Point of Grace a lot. Point of oh. Grace. Oh, oh Pog. Yeah. And also for wrong reasons. I was convinced I was awesome. And <laughs> if I could only audition, they would, of course, let me yep. be a part of the girl would've. band. Like, yeah. obviously, I fit in really well. I was like 10. But um, <laughs> so back then, like, I sang for totally wrong reasons. But now, like, I still remember the lyrics to those songs and, like, The Great Divide and Circle of Friends. Like, all of my favorite songs from childhood still carry meaning, and I remember them. Yeah. When times are tough, like you can recall back to those lyrics and it's comforting. Yeah. Well, you even think through like so much of our music now is so complicated because it has a lot of different verses and sometimes they, they kind of go all over the place and they're beautiful, but they're not always corporate. Mm-hmm. But I think about songs like How Great Is Our God. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a song that's super simple that I can remember the lyrics because they're simple, um, but the chorus brings you in. And one of the complaints that I've heard, especially from some older generations, is all your worship just says the chorus is over and over again. And I remember someone complaining to me about that, going, oh, your music, you don't, you don't say anything original. You just say the same thing over and over again. I'm like, you're going to hate heaven because all they say in heaven is holy, holy, holy <laughs> is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is yeah. the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> and, yep. and I actually think there's some beauty in repetition. I mean, the Psalms have tons of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, heart of worship. I remember the first time I heard heart of worship and I just wept. Uh, because I realized there was a conviction that took place in my life when I realized there was a, a time in my life when I found my identity and my abilities to do music. Mm. And thinking through, you know, when the music fade and all is stripped away and I simply come. Um, there's something that happens in music that connects us to worship. But obviously worship is more than just that. 
when you think about other aspects of worship, well, I mean, singing is the most notorious one because we again we call it worship music. We don't call it worship prayer. Yeah, it's got a it's got a big like <laughs> a big chunk of the pie is like music. I think it's just become that way. Yeah, but and yet worship is meant to be an all encompassing a yes. lifestyle thing, right? Yeah. Um, prayer is part of worship, but we don't say worship prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to the sermon is supposed to be worship, but we don't say worship preaching or teaching. Yeah. When we think about worship, what are other ways that you think about? making God famous through worshiping in your everyday life. What are things coming to mind? Now, Amanda, you work at Culver's. I do. <laughs> and you're general manager. What's your official title? General manager. So I was right. General yep. manager. Okay. <laughs> nice. Like for you, there's a worship component to that. Like you can just do that job or you can do it unto the Lord. How do you look at worship outside of church as worship? What does that look like for you? Um, I think I do most, like I do more ministry outside of the church building. Yeah. Than I do in it, and and I think that's important for everyone. I think when you are outside of these walls, that's that's what we're meant to do. We're supposed to, you know, live every day for Jesus. And if you're not doing that in all that you do, then are you even doing? Like, yeah. What are you doing? You got to take advantage of it. I've had more people ask me for prayer when I've been at work than yeah. when I'm at church, mm-hmm. and. Most of those people are the ones, like the forgotten and the ones that, you know, people kind of look down on and they're the ones who have the most hope and the most, like, the nicest people. Like, you would Mm. never, and they're just waiting for someone to see them. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I try to, I'm pretty open about, um my faith when I'm at work. And I think that opens up a door for people to ask me about it or approach me about it. Or, um, you know, you'll have the few people that are like, Oh, you like Bible hugger. Like, you know, they'll <laughs> Bible make hugger. Of, yeah. Isn't there a Bible thumper? <clears throat> I, no, I, I had a crazy person come after me once and say like, what are you like? What are you going to do? Hit me with your Bible. And I was like, <laughs> Don't no, make me, like, no. I mean, do first you of all, I have the Bible app. This will hurt a lot more than you think. <laughs> oh, gosh. But it was just like, yeah. you know, you do have those people who who are going to be mean or say things. But for the most part, I, don't, I mean, I don't let that really get to me. And I feel like I'm in a place of authority where no one's really going to say much of that. But I've had, yeah, I've had people who, who ask me questions, like, they're, they're not believers, and they're curious, and they yeah. want to know things. Um, I had a guy who's, like, he would never step into a church normally. Mm-hmm. But he'll go into a Culver's. <laughs> yeah. And like, he'll come. Yeah, it's Culver's. Yeah, he'll come visit me here when I'm working, and it's always weird. Like, he'll be like, oh, somebody's here to see you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know them. <laughs> um, and, like, normal, he would, like, never step in, foot into a church, but... Somehow I like open that door for him and well, and that's that idea of to make God's name holy, mm-hmm. um, to make it sacred. Kadesh uh, um, Hagiazo is that idea of you're bringing God into the workplace with you. You're making him famous through your life, through how you manage, how you re- relate to people. Mm-hmm. Now I've worked in church now for twenty years, and it's hard because when something becomes your job, it kind of loses its passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's always the danger of something like you, and you hear this professional athletes or other people like they, they don't enjoy doing the thing they first love because now they, it's a career. Yeah. Well, it's like with, with, with choir, having a choir background is 
is great because I know a lot of songs and I know how to sing. I've been trained on how to sing and sing well. But sometimes when I sing a song, it's all about, oh, I was a little flat on that note there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't really carry that verse very well. And oh, I need to sing louder here mm-hmm. instead of every now and then when I just let it go and I just playing the sitting at the piano and playing or I'm, I'm playing my guitar myself and I'm just singing. I'll, it'll just hit me. I'll just be overcome where it's like this. Oh, yeah. this is what it means to to worship. It's it's letting all that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's less about getting the right notes and more about the connection. Yeah. Getting the right heart. Your focus right is heart. on God. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think that's I think this book reset that I'm reading from Jeremy Riddle, which by the way, if you enjoy reading, especially books that will challenge you, mm-hmm. um, Jeremy Riddle is a former worship or actually still a worship pastor. He's now at the Anaheim Vineyard. Um, was at Bethel Worship for a while, written some really well-known songs. Mm -hmm. And in this book, he calls out the worship industry and just says, what we've done is we've made the focus on creating worship rock stars than worshipers and that we we elevate worship leaders rather than worshipers. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff that he talked about is, and he, he acknowledged his own part in it, is that we've created, there's this machine in worship now, you crank out a song, make some good money, and then you got to crank out the next song. And you don't have to live for Jesus. you got to be able to write just a great hook that people will sing to. Write a cool worship song. Yeah. And uh, and he just full-on calls it out for what it is and even repents in his part in it. And there was uh, one part in there where he was talking about the warfare of worship, which was something we talked about uh, on Sunday, mm-hmm. is that worship does a lot of things. I mean, worship shapes our identity because whatever you worship, you will ultimately want to become. If you worship money or sex or food, that thing shapes who you are. Um, we also know that worship matters to Jesus because it's our way of ministering to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday morning, it's not about pleasing other people. Mm-hmm. It's about ministering to Jesus. And so when someone asks, hey, did you get a lot out of worship today? That's the wrong question. The question <laughs> is, did Jesus get a lot out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in it, he talks about this idea of worship as warfare and that there is something that takes place. Um, as I was as I was thinking through that, and even when we when we talked about it on Sunday— there's an element that every time God's people come together and sing, we are making a declaration. Mm-hmm. It's a declaration of, even if we don't always mean it. I mean, I think through there have been times I've sung songs that I didn't really mean them, but I wanted to mean them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how great is our God? There were times I didn't feel like God was very great, but I still sang it. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, it's, it's hard. Yeah, and, and I wonder, um, are there songs in your life or have there been times in worship where God has actually used that to maybe move you into a time of repentance or maybe challenge like, hey, you don't really mean these words. Uh, Heart of Worship is a person. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Uh, the story, do you know the story behind that song? No. So Matt Redman was leading uh, worship at Soul Survivor in England. This would have been mid-90s, I think. And uh, they became really famous for music. And Matt Redman one day went to, I think it was Mike Pilavachi, who was the pastor there, and he said, hey, um, our worship isn't right. We're focusing on the wrong thing. So we're not going to do music until we get our hearts right. So they gathered on Sundays and all their meetings and they didn't do any music. Mm. And people started getting frustrated. Like, hey, we're here because the music's great. And they literally stopped doing worship because people weren't there to be with Jesus. They were there to experience the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. so, and then that's heart of worship was birthed out of that. Cool. Is Here they are in the midst of this, and, they, and I don't know how long they went, and then all of a sudden this music, this song comes out of that, and it came out of a time of realizing they made music an idol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can do that. We can make worship just about music and not about the God we're worshiping. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how many of those stories exist. Like I always think of 
you, Megan, you'd mentioned um, it as well. Mm-hmm. The story behind yeah. how that came to be is just crazy. Like, is, didn't he lose his entire family or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, I don't remember the name of the uh, the author of the song. If only there was a device to help us. People, find... people later listening to this are going to go, "Well, I got my phone here. I'm going to figure it out myself." And please do. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he, he wrote it after his wife and daughter, I think all perished yeah. at sea in, mm-hmm. in a ship and he penned the song. Um, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, um, still my soul will say it is well, mm-hmm. it is well with my soul. Yeah. Horatio Spafford. That's right. That's right. That's a name right uh, there. Horatio. Oh, Horatio. Oh, yep. Horatio. <laughs> I knew thee well, Horatio. Mm-hmm. Horatio mm-hmm. Spafford with a P. Yep. Yeah, there's, um, I think, one of the things that I'm hoping to see out of Zion, and I'm, I'm actually praying for this, is I would love to see songs birthed out of our community. Mm-hmm. Songs that are born out of, because I, I think there's a, there is a, God's awakening something at Zion. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're seeing a new generation who are rising up. I mean, I, I think through some of the young kids who I don't have permission to say their names, so I won't right now, but I would love to see us as a community, like to see what God wants to birth out of people that are leading in worship. Going back to that worship is warfare. Yeah. Are there songs or, I mean, are there times that, you know, when things aren't going well or that you literally, it feels like there's a, a spiritual battle going on. Are there songs that have carried you through or are there things that you do that remind you to direct your worship at God? And they don't have to be worship or songs. They could be other things, but. Um, yeah, I guess I don't necessarily think of songs right away, but more scripture. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love in my quiet times when I'm reading something, sometimes, yes, it speaks to me, but I actually love when it speaks more about God and letting that be a time of worship where I get to repeat back to him oh, his yeah. own words. And I love doing it out in nature where I can like, I'm like surrounded by everything he's created. Like it's just resets my mind and my focus on really how awesome, how holy he is. And it, even in that is a time of worship. And if I put music on during that time, it just, Makes it all the better, really. But yeah, uh, I was listening to uh, pastor at Gateway in Scottsdale, Arizona, before we moved here. Uh, his name is Preston, and we went to their new members class. and He made a statement, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit because I don't remember the exact phrasing. <coughs> but the idea was is that worship is one part praise, one part warfare, mm-hmm. and that we, if we only think the purpose of worship is to praise, then I mean that's true. It is. But we also, there is a, a literal Satan. We believe in a real Satan. We believe in a real spiritual principalities. Every time we worship, we are declaring war and victory over an enemy who's trying to distract us. Mm-hmm. And um, when my, if my wife was here, and she shared the story before, that's why I feel like I can share it. Um, what's the song? The You're never going to let, you're never going to let me. What's that? You are good. Uh, King of my heart. King of my heart. Okay. Yeah. So um, my mother-in-law died, she should be six years, six years this year, uh, from cancer, Halloween, 2015. And I remember we were at Gateway, and that song, it was the first time we had heard that song, and there's that line where you're never going to let me down. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking over at Lisa, and she's just in tears. And again, I think it was the first year of mom's death, which was hard. I mean, cancer is a beast. And anybody who's listening, if you're battling cancer, it is a battle. Um, and I didn't say anything. And afterwards, we were 
we were driving home from church and Lisa goes, I can't sing that. I can't say those words because God let me down. We prayed every night for her mother to be cured of cancer. And she ultimately was cured. She went to go be with Jesus. Like that's the ultimate cure. And it went for a long time, every time. And they'd sing because it was just coming out. So they were singing it like almost real, every real other cool. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yep. it's, a, it's a powerful song. It's great. And then maybe six months, a year later, Lisa comes to me one day and just in total like breakthrough. And she was walking in Target or something like that and listening on her, on her ear pods. And she goes, uh, I get it. And she's like, I can sing it now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I had forgotten all about the conversation. And she goes, I yeah. realized when, it, when I'm saying he's never going to let me down, it doesn't mean he's not going to fail me. It means he's always got me in his arms. Mm. And she just started crying. And she's like, you know, I can say that now because it's not what I thought it meant. I thought it meant God's always going to do what I want him to do. Right. And he's never going to fail me. And we say that. You're, you're never going to fail. No. I have things, expectations for God all the time, and they don't come through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not what the promise is. But I think about even when she didn't feel it, she still declared it. And it took her a while. She couldn't just emotionally. But she started to because sometimes the purpose of worship is not because we do believe it, but to get us to the point where we actually believe it. Does that make to, sense? We want to yeah. believe this. Yeah. I, I believe. What is it? I, I help, believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Yeah. Sometimes and, I need my heart to tell my head or my head to tell my heart. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Like, so, and I think that's what a lot of worship songs are. Cause a lot of the songs we sing, I don't, I don't really want Jesus to be my everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if I'm honest, yeah. I don't want him to be the king of my heart. Spirit lead me where my trust is, well, almost without, without borders. Maybe we'll have a few borders. I don't know. And I'll walk on the water if. But only if it's the kiddie pool. Yeah, if it's the kiddie pool. If I can touch the ground, I'll be happy to do it. Yeah. Um, when we look at kind of the role in, in worship, and again, I know we, we've talked a lot about singing, but. We think about making Jesus's name famous, this idea of it's an action. It's not a statement. It's an action. Lord, help me. Let let your name be famous in and through me, through your church. If you had a desire for Zion to, to make Jesus's name famous for something, what would it be? Like mine would be, here's what, when I, when I want people to think of Zion, here's what I want them to think of. That's the people who love Jesus and love people. Mm-hmm. Like if, if somebody left Zion, if that was the only thing they got, I would feel like I, that, that's a high five moment for me. Like that church loves Jesus and they love people. If you had something that you you wanted Zion to be known for, what would it be? Oh God! And you can't steal mine. That's why I went first. I well, <laughs> it's it's, it's similar. Uh, I mean, I had a thought that was sim- along that lines. You know, I, I I always worked at camp for years, and we always said that we want we want people to look over here at us long enough so that we can duck out of the way and point to the cross. Mm. Hey hey hey! Look, kids, over here, over here. here. And then point to the cross. I'm pointing off that into space, like a but you can't thing, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. it's it's yeah. We want to know Jesus and to make him known. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. These are we're 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 shopping taglines. That's, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, off of the taglines. One of my passions is missions, and so I, mm. obviously I want us to be a church that takes that to heart, and not just global, but Next right door. here. Yep. Yeah, what does that look like? And um, that's just something I personally like. It's not really a tagline, but it's a passion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, other than like the underground tunnel between the two buildings, um, 
Like, I think that would be a cool thing to be known for. Do we have an underground tunnel? No, we don't, oh, but we should. Oh, you're saying we yeah, need to it's have one. Way. We have yeah. a halfway. Do we have a halfway tunnel? We just need permission from the post office to, like, blast under them. <laughs> I think we could get that to happen. Do you know how happen. cool that would be, though? <laughs> First of all, one, it's cold or hot. Yeah. I'm telling great. you, and we could just we could just ferry people down through that. That's amazing. Okay, <laughs> so what would you want Zion to be known for? Um, I you know, that's a tough one because that's why you went last. <laughs> I think like less of all the things that we do, and more about how we can make people feel when oh, they yeah. come. Yeah. Um, because I'm not going to remember the hundreds of things that. Zion might be dabbling in and doing and the places that they're helping out. But I'm going to remember how I felt walking in and walking out of those yeah. doors and yeah. the way that, I don't know. Even people outside yeah. the church that say they go to Zion, how do they treat me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, how are we known in the community? And how does that make Jesus famous? Because right. we are ultimately representing Jesus. The church has left the building. Yeah. Oh, and like, scary. yeah, I want to be able to walk into the sanctuary and like feel the Holy Spirit like yeah. mm -hmm. all around me because, you know, we're a people who we we love Jesus. We love what we're doing. Like you, you just yeah. try to steal mine. That, those were my things, Amanda. <laughs> I think that's the most important thing. Right well, that's there. why I said it first. I got I jumped in front of the line. <laughs> See, a good host would have let you guys go first. And you then went I would, to a tagline right away. I yeah, went to, yeah, well, yeah. I've also, so, so this was my last question. If you could re be remembered for something on your tombstone. Oh, man. I got dark real quick. And you know what mine would be? He loved Jesus. He loved people. And he loved his family. I have a list of things. Like, you're just going to have a I, list? I'm not surprised. Like, I, so, I always, when I, like, when I die... I want them to put, like, I was an avid bird watcher. I don't do that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it but for Jesus. Cool. For yeah. Jesus. No, I'm saying um, about, like, you, like, who you are as a oh, follower of Jesus. Oh, well, okay. Man. was on a bobsled team. Okay, well, <laughs> you know, Jesus wanted me to be an avid bird watcher. Right. <laughs> no, and then, The Holy know, Spirit came down like a dove. Have you ever heard the saying, when you see a red cardinal, it's a loved one from heaven. No. Coming down. I've heard that, yes. Yeah. That is a real thing. Derek doesn't believe me that that's it's a real not a real thing. thing. Oh. So I told him when I die, like I'm gonna pay someone to go outside his house and release a bunch of them. <laughs> Red Cardinals. Yeah, but that's so, I mean it's a real saying, but it's not a real thing. They're up with Jesus. They're not down here. Yeah, I oh, know. Yeah, he had sure. to he had to get all technical with me. I'm he had like, to get all theological okay, on you. Like, Stop ruining my buzz, yeah, bro. Yeah, Jesus, oh Pete's. Did you say Jizo Pete? Jizo Pete's. Yeah, you never that's heard like, that before? No, that's like the first time I was in Minnesota and someone said holy buckets. And I was like, what did you say? Jizo yeah, you know. Pete's. I've never. My wife says sweet jeans. I don't even know what that. She's sweet jeans. I'm like, what? Jeans with a J or jeans with a G? I don't know. Neither <laughs> one makes one sense to me. I'm pretty sure she did too. I used to say Mama Siku, baby. <laughs> you made that up. Too. I totally did. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't actually, I didn't. that one. It was actually from uh, a movie, Jungle to Jungle, or something like that. Oh, oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah now, now you're thinking of brilliant. Gene Willikers. <laughs> All right, so final question, and then we'll, we'll call it quits. Uh, if, if you were to say, there's, if there's one song right now that you feel like the, the Lord's using to minister to you, but that you're ministering back to him, there's one song right now that when every time you sing it, it just makes you think about how good God is and you're, it focuses away from you. What would it be? 
They're all looking at their phones right list. now. Yeah, go ahead. I have one. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. <laughs> I'll go first as you guys do it right now. Right now, the, the one that's hitting me, um, there's several, but the big one is Yahweh. The old one? Oh. No, the one from Elevation. Oh. The holy, holy is the Lord, worthy to be praised. That song? Dude, and then it's got, it builds, and like I'm in my car, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get into a car accident at some point, or <laughs> a cop's going to pull, pull me over. Are you aware you're doing 105? No, officer, I was wor- worshiping Jesus. Like, I didn't know. Um, that song for me right now is just, it's one I, I get in a lot, but it's not just because I enjoy the feeling of it. It reminds me. It's reminding me of who God is. Mm-hmm. Um so and there's a bunch of other ones. Maverick City's got some really good ones right now. That say, good. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Maverick City, and yeah, a lot of the worship is very kind of spontaneous and just kind of popping up everywhere, and, and you know, yeah, it's great. But I, I think the song that I've been remembering and, and just coming back to is The Blessing. Oh, yeah. Because that we, we say at the end of every service, we always have the benediction. I don't because I can never remember it, so yeah. I just make it up as I go along. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace every time. And that's that's the song, basically, is those lines put to music. And it's just like it's a reminder of God's goodness. And just it's it's almost just got a hint of that challenge there. You know, the Lord bless you. And now you get to go. You you, rem- you remember how blessed you are. You remember that God's got this and God's taking care of you. And yeah. now you get to go. That's good. And share that blessing with others. How about you? I don't know. I know it's a little older, but I have very much been enjoying Waymaker. Mm-hmm. Like anytime it comes I on. Just I thought like... your shirt said Glaymaker. And I'm like, what is a Glaymaker? <laughs> oh, you Waymaker, are? Yeah. yeah I got it for Christmas. Yeah, cool. So it's not that old. No, it's not. But. It's one of those, I think, becoming like a pisang again. <laughs> but I, I love it just because it's, it's, it's a reminder. Like, no, in, in my complicated life, like, no, Jesus still is yeah. doing all of these things. And it's a good reminder. Yeah. I'm really, and Carson Meyer, actually, he sent me a playlist. And it was the first one on there. And so I've been listening to this one on repeat, Old Church Basement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I really yeah. like that one. It That's the new of, one from Maverick yeah. City and Beth uh, yeah, Elevation. Elevation, yep. yeah. And it kind of goes with, like, some of the things we talked about today. Like, it's not about the stage and the lights and, you know, all of the fancy things putting on a show. Like, it's about worshiping God and and having that actual relationship with him and you could be in a old church basement, a living room. Like it doesn't matter where anywhere. you're at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could be anywhere. Well, and, and I'll, I'll end with this. Um, I think one of the things that's changing now is for a long time that I think the purpose of worship was entertainment. The goal was, well, we want people to hear how good our music is. And that was a whole genre. Like even in church unapologetically, you wanted the best worship band and it needed to sound incredible and you had five-part harmony i mean bill hybels at willow creek they, that's how they designed their mm-hmm. services was seeker friendly that you'd come in and go oh so good it sounds so good it wasn't about worship it was about getting the person to want to sit in the seats to hear the gospel and i, I wish i could remember the what i was reading but it was talking about that there's now a new generation who no longer cares about the experience of worship about how good it sounds though they still want quality they want transcendence mm-hmm. They want to encounter something real 
And I think as we, particularly with this last week, um, we talk about holy as the hallowed be his name, making God's holy in our life as part of our prayer life and in our worship. I think the church is finally starting to realize that the bubblegum worship, the pop worship, where mm-hmm. we things we, we recycle or we get rid of music so quickly, it doesn't have a shelf life anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, think about like there are songs that we sang three years ago that now we're like, oh, not that song again. Mm-hmm. But up until the last 10, 15 years, you sang the same songs for generations and nobody gave it a second thought. Mm-hmm. But now because it's everywhere, it's lost some of, some of its authenticity. Yeah, I think the younger generation... Think of like TikTok or even Snapchat filters. Like it's all fake. It's filtered, yeah. It's filtered. And so people are looking for an authentic experience in a in a church. That should be yeah. the first place you discover authenticity. And yeah. if it's not, you, they can see right through that. Can I can I really meet this God you're talking about? Is yeah. this a real can I really feel safe here? Can I really feel loved and accepted here? Yeah. And that's I think they're showing um Carrie Newwolf in his podcast. And his, his blog stuff, he actually talks about the churches that are growing aren't churches that are doing fog machines anymore and doing the, the incredible band that no one can sing to. It's the churches that are moving towards worship that people can participate in. Mm-hmm. And he actually said one of the ways you can tell if you have non-Christians is they're the ones not singing, not because they don't want to, but because they don't understand it yet. Mm-hmm. But at the church, you have other people that are looking for that authenticness, like there is something beautiful when you hear God's people really worshiping Jesus. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, I'm I'm proud and excited to see what God is doing here because I feel like that's starting to take place at Zion. Like we're seeing that happen on Sunday mornings. And I'm looking forward to the future of how God is going to move. But it's always about our job is to make Jesus famous, not Zion. Mm-hmm. Um, amen. Well, hey, guys, thank you so much uh, for being here. Again, I'm Pastor Jason. I'm John. Amanda. And Megan. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Thank you so much. for If you if you listen to this, if you found this helpful, share it with somebody, pass it on, uh, leave a comment. We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, any of those type of things. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll see you next week or hear Hopefully you'll listen to us next. I don't know. What do we say there? Because it's like I'm going to see them. Hopefully you'll join us next week. There's the word. There it is. All right. Hey, thanks, everybody. Great to have you here. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown. And now a bonus clip for your enjoyment. So, so let me get this straight, Amanda. You're ranting because you wanted to do a thing about Disney and we didn't talk about Disney? I, I just know I came prepared to talk about Disney and the Bible. And I even made my notes like, are we going to talk about Revelation and this, the seven scrolls and then the sword and the stone? Because I think there's but some But what does that have to do with Hallowed Be Your Name? Well, well it doesn't. Say, it just it's says. Stone. It's, yeah. I don't know. So you came prepared to talk about Disney. So you were ready to, you like, I kid you not, we finished. And Amanda was like, we didn't even talk about Disney. I was ready to, <laughs> Disney in the Bible. What about Willy Wonka? Like the prodigal son? Is oh. Willy, is Willy Wonka a Disney one? No. Or is that like, you totally, that? well, clearly you're not but qualified to talk I about know. Disney. <sighs> is it on Disney Plus? No. Uh, what is that one? It's not Disney. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, it's still a good comparison. But I, it was, what does it got to do with worship? 
Well, you know, we're giving worth to God. You put it in your notes. It just says Disney. <laughs> no, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> Kyla wrote this because, and then someone was like, "Oh, Amanda has a whole thing about Disney." Because we were talking about it in the read through of biblical correlations, were like relating to worldly things. Where did that come from? I think Why did it came we get from there? The names. Oh, that's right. Disney names. Mickey Mouse. Oh. Like household names, but things that... Yeah, we have a few other you, words that I'm not going to use in there. This when you sentence. say a name, you think of something else. And then we started talking about pen names. That's what it was. Seven, six degrees like to Kevin Bacon. messages in like a lot of different things. Disney being a huge one that like... If you watch a Disney movie, Lion King, I'm sorry. Biblical references all over the place. You see a lot of things. Really? Yeah. Who? Who? Tell me in Lion King, besides between besides Scar being Satan. <laughs> holding the holding the little lion up, like But what's he holding him up to? Is that like an Abraham and Isaac reference? Is like he's sacrificing him? No, oh now destined hunt? to save his Sa- people. By yeah. running away into the desert? Uh well that's where the metaphor <laughs> breaks down a little bit. But does, he does, did Jesus meet himself. with a fat pig and a meerkat? <laughs> no, but he fights and he sacrifices. No, that's and a different ultimately one. ultimately prevails. Yes, he does. No. He fights Scar at the end. Yeah, but no, that's that's a big that's a big stretch. I don't know. I think there's. I think there. I see it. I think I can see it more between the Matrix. Like the Matrix has more of a salvation story. Hmm. Neo, I mean, come on now. He's he's waking us from a dream. We're coming into a reality, spiritual realities. Take the red pill. Is that the one? You've never seen the Matrix with the dog dies. No. What? <laughs> Which one's that? There's a the Matrix is not no that's John Wick. Oh, they all kind of blur together. <laughs> <laughs> it had Keanu Reeves in it. I th- yeah. They, they both had Keanu Reeves. So I'll give you. I'll give you that one. I was close. <laughs> that's like Kyla. Kyla's on. She's our our uh, uh, what's her official communications, communications director. director, and she doesn't know anything pop culture. So we're saying that she's like, who's Britney Spears? Like <laughs> she wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was you were reciting some movie quotes, and they were from very action-heavy movies. Many of them. And she's like, I don't know any of these. I don't know a Terminator, one. Yeah, I'll be back. Say hello to my little friend. I don't, okay, I just saw there's a the friend of ours, friend of mine had a, sh- a hat that said, say hello to my little friend. Mm-hmm. And then he had his son underneath <sighs> him that had the hat that said little friend. <laughs> I saw that. It was, that was pretty adorable. Is there anything else you want to rant about, Amanda? Since, I mean, you are here. I mean, do we, we want to go into songs? Because, like, Rascal Flats, Bless the Broken Road. Well, that one, totally. That's clear. Uh, yeah. Carrie Underwood, Something in the Water. Jesus, she actually, Take the Wheel. She actually wrote that one about her own, like, baptism later on in life. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, what were some other ones? I feel there's so many. Enter Sandman by Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Exit Light. Mm, no, maybe not. No, maybe not. Well, then there's even like you now, raise me up. Yeah. Oh my. Goodness. From Josh Groban. <laughs> yes. Come on now. I think there's singing so many, Amanda. Oh my goodness, you don't want to hear that. Yeah. No, I. I thank you. There he goes. John's going. That's sorry. I feel like that's when you hear at funerals, and it's kind of freaky because it's like you raise me up. Like, <laughs> are you good? Like. <laughs> Are you tricking me? Like, come on. Okay, so I actually want to have if I if I I'm, so I'm probably gonna be cremated, but if I had a, an actual funeral, I want to have like a little thing no. that pops me up in my. Please just, don't. Halfway, <laughs> through, <laughs> halfway through the service. 
I'm alive. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Fooled you. <laughs> All right, so I mean, digress. we we totally digress. That's why these are. This is why this is this is the aftermath or whatever we're calling these things. All right, I think we're good. Thanks, Norwal. Thank you. You're welcome.